That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie Night Crew Network. Perhaps the Gryffindor team will be able to raise some gold and get new brooms, too. You could raffle off those clean sweep fives. I expect a museum would bid for them. The Slytherin team howled with laughter. At least no one on the Gryffindor team had to buy their way in, said Hermione sharply. They got in on pure talent. The smug look on Malfoy's face flickered. No one asked your opinion, you filthy little mudblood. He spat. Harry knew at once that Malfoy had said something really bad because there was an instant uproar at his words. Flint had to dive in front of Malfoy to stop Fred and George jumping on him. Alicia shrieked, how dare you? And Ron plunged his hand into his robes, pulled out his wand, yelling, you'll pay for this one, Malfoy, and pointed it furiously under Flint's arm at Malfoy's face. A loud bang echoed around the stadium, and a jet of green light shot out of the wrong end of Ron's wand, hitting him in the stomach and sending him reeling backwards onto the grass. Ron, Ron, are you all right? squealed Hermione. Ron opened his mouth to speak, but no words came out. Instead, he gave an almighty belch, and several slugs dribbled out of his mouth onto his lap. What's up, potheads? Welcome to the restricted section, in which a bunch of nerds with potty mouths reread the Harry Potter series for the umpteenth time and discuss how the story and its themes have stayed with a generation into adulthood. Thank you for listening. If you haven't done the reading, don't worry, we did it for you. Here's what we are talking about today. Chapter 7, Mudbloods and Murmurs. This chapter starts with Oliver Wood waking up Harry at the crack of dawn on the first Saturday of term because he's really excited to start practicing his new Quidditch program. As Harry's making his way out of the Gryffindor Tower, he's intercepted by Colin Creevy, who heard somebody saying his name, and Colin asks Harry to sign a photograph of him. Harry just says flatly, no, and tries to get along to Quidditch practice, but he can't shake Colin Creevy, who follows him all the way down to the Quidditch pitch asking questions about Quidditch, because as a reminder, Colin Creevy is a muggle-born, so he doesn't know anything yet. Harry manages to ditch Colin when he goes into the locker room where Oliver Wood is ready to launch right into like a three-hour explanation of his really brilliant new Quidditch program. Um, I don't think anyone's listening. Everyone's like falling asleep. Harry's daydreaming about breakfast the whole time. Wood has a lot of like boards with like squiggles you know like football style but they're like magic so they can run around and stuff but I, I still don't think anyone's really following finally they start flying Ron and Hermione have come down to the pit with their breakfast to watch Colin Creevy's trying to take pictures and before they can even really get started the Slytherins show up um, because Snape wrote them a special note that they could practice today even though the Gryffindors had properly formally booked the pitch for practice It turns out that Draco Malfoy's on the team now, and it becomes apparent that he bribed his way onto the team because his dad bought the entire team Nimbus 2001 broomsticks. Harry flies in Nimbus 2000. As soon as the two Quidditch teams start going back and forth, Ron and Hermione come down onto the pitch like it's their business, and Hermione says, at least no one on the Gryffindor team had to buy their way in. They got in on pure talent obviously implying that Malfoy bought his way onto the team and doesn't actually deserve to be there. Draco calls Hermione a mudblood. There's an explosive reaction on all sides. 
A fight very nearly breaks out, except for that Ron tries to curse Draco, and because of his broken wand, it ends up backfiring into his own stomach, and he starts barfing slugs. Harry and Hermione immediately take Ron to Hagrid's. Hagrid is like, better out than in, barf them into this bucket. And he does that. I mean, Ron doesn't really have a choice. He's just barfing into the bucket. And they talk a little bit about how shitty of a person Lockhart is. Ron and Hermione learn what the word mudblood means. It's a slur for someone who is not a pureblood wizard. Ron makes a point that almost no wizards are pureblood anymore because wizard kind would have died out if they didn't marry muggles along the way. As they go back up to the school for lunch, Ron's ailment, to say the least, kind of settles down and they're able to walk up to the school for lunch. Professor McGonagall intercepts them and reminds Ron and Harry that they have detentions for the whole flying car debacle that night. Ron has to go polish trophies with Filch, and Harry has to help Lockhart answer his fan mail. So he does that. While he's serving his detention with Lockhart, Harry hears a voice in the wall saying some really creepy and threatening things about, like, murdering people. Totally cool. And finally, Harry goes back to the dorm, meets Ron there, and Ron has no explanation for this disembodied voice. Since you're here listening to my disembodied voice, let me invite you to connect with us in the digital realm. We are on Patreon at patreon.com slash the restricted section. We have a lot of really cool rewards there, including bonus episodes, which we're really, really proud of, and they're super fun, and they're about things besides the chapters, so I definitely recommend that you check those out. The next one we have coming out is Behind the Magic Bastards, a look into Gilderoy Lockhart, the Wizarding World's Greatest Grifter. We also do exclusive Instagram content. And we even host monthly Zoom happy hours with our highest tier patrons. So it's a ton of fun. Please check it out. The link is in the show notes. You can also connect with us for free on Twitter at RestrictedPod, on Instagram at RestrictedSectionPod. You can also hang out with us on Facebook. We have a Facebook group called the Restricted Section Detention Crew, where we post memes and talk about stuff and share stuff and, you know, stuff. Facebook is where stuff is. We also have a page, Restricted Section Podcast, on Facebook, which is not quite as cool as our group, but that's a great place to leave us a review. If you listen to us through a, if you listen to us through a podcasting platform that doesn't have reviews. Hey, since we're talking about reviews, you know it would be very, very cool of you if you left us a review. We love reviews. We're book people. We love reading. And we would love nothing more than to read the highest form of literature reviews on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts if they let you submit reviews. We would love to read your review on our podcast because, as you may have noticed, it is a reading podcast. So we will read. Perhaps I have said the word read too much. I don't know. Anyway, please enjoy Mudbloods and Murmurs. Hello, welcome to the restricted section. It's me, Gilderoy Lockhart, Order of Merlin, third class, honorary member of the Dark Force Defense League and five-time winner of Witch Weekly's Most Charming Smile Award. Just kidding. It's me, your host, Christina. Welcome to my podcast. Haley, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. And I have a question. How many times did you practice that in the mirror? (laughs) I've really been practicing a lot. It sounds great, right? (laughs) It sounded perfect. That's why I'm asking. Thank you. I read it. What was the magic number? (laughs) Um, The strongest magical number is seven, as we all know. Good to know. (laughs) Mary Peyton, how are you today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I um, 
gave blood this morning. Okay, everyone cool. should to regularly. a vampire. Um, yeah, actually, yep. Everyone should donate to their local vampire regularly. Everyone's really struggling due to the coronavirus, especially yeah. vampires right now. Their blood supply is being diverted to hospitals. So do everything you can to support them. Like, it's really a bad no time. No one's like going out and like wandering down dark alleyways at night anymore. Like their their hunting has really been affected. Yeah, if you, if you really care about the vampire community, go wander down an alleyway. <laughs> and we are very excited to have back our very special guest today. Danny, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. Very happy to be back. Um, I wish I had something funny and witty to say like all of you, but here I am. (laughs) (laughs) We're delighted to have you here. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. It will come up organically. Don't worry. Of course. Don't you worry about a damn thing. (laughs) (laughs) So today we're talking about mudbloods and mermaids. A pretty good title, like for a chapter. Makes me want to read it. Gotta love alliteration. Yeah. yeah. And it's one of the few chapter titles, at least in these first couple books so far, where when I read it, I couldn't immediately remember what happened in it, you know? Um, I was like, okay, Mudbloods, that's probably the whole slug debacle. And then I was like, murmur. Well, maybe I did. I couldn't remember exactly. Let's put it that way. I mean, there's a lot of murmurs in this whole book. Like, this could be like murmurs of rumors or what kind of murmurs are they? And then we find out at the end. Creepy murmurs. Yeah, yeah, the really bad kind of murmurs. Yeah. (laughs) Arguably the worst. Arguably the worst. Man, best case scenario, he's schizophrenic, honestly. Yeah. (laughs) And that's not good when that's your best case scenario. Yeah, yeah. Imagine being a schizophrenic wizard. That would suck. Yeah, that would would suck. It would just be like an unfortunate situation. So the chapter starts with just like a little summary. So the last chapter was um, Harry, Harry's first day back at Hogwarts, um, first day of term with Gilderoy Lockhart, right? And like the whole, <laughs> and the whole picture signing debacle and like Gilderoy fucking Lockhart and herbology. Okay, so this chapter starts with just like a summary of the rest of the week. Like it happens, they go to class and shit. Um, Colin Creevy is always, like stalking them. You know, I have to I have to say, like, just from an editorial standpoint, like, this is something that uh, that bitch does really well, that a lot of writers really struggle with, which is like getting from point A to point B in like a time frame. The general because, passing like, of time. Yes, the general passing of time. Like, very often I'll have, you know, an author like really have trouble with a with a transition like this and I'll be like one or two chapters of like how the last month went and they're like I don't understand how you want me to cover an entire month you can do it in one like this is how this is yeah, how like you do one it sentence it's not hard you don't but need to tell people- us you don't need to tell us about every single step they took on their way to Mount Doom okay like just get us there Yes. A little pointed, Christina. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not trying to imply that Tolkien is a novice writer. I mean, no, but he was also really bad at this. Like, he was, I mean, it's that book is a slog, and that's why. When I think excruciating and unnecessary detail, my brain goes straight to Tolkien. I feel like a lot of fantasy writers probably fall into it more easily than other authors because okay. they're building this entire world. Yeah, and you want to yeah. show it off, and I get that, but like, you don't. If you got it, to. want it. <laughs> not always not always i'm just saying if you're if you're struggling with like this aspect of writing i mean this is a good series to study for that element and then on the other side of the spectrum there's george r, r. martin who like 
everything is constantly happening and it's like Ugh. is this even like there's so much happening that i i don't i like like are you telling me only one day has passed and seven thousand people have been murdered before my eyes <laughs> that was his skill that's his skill yeah yeah so yeah she's great at that she, i love those chapters where she's like she's like fall faded into winter and like suddenly the castle was drafty and everyone was wearing their winter cloaks like it's just like cozy you're like mm, i'm gonna settle down for this wintry chapter it yes. is very cozy vibes i love it i think you know um something that's really great that happened in the series is we really uh get a full picture of the coziness of hogwarts and um i think that's very undervalued in this series like Come on, who wouldn't want to cozy up in a sweater with, made by Ron's mom next to the, uh, the the fireplace? Like, that is my dream. Oh, totally. I would never, <laughs> ever leave. Same. <laughs> that, and I'd forget the password all the time, so I'd be stuck in the common room. <laughs> Can't leave. Fast. Can't get back in. <laughs> <laughs> she, uses, she uses weather a lot to um, sort of set the stage for each of her different scenes. Like, in the, I think it was the last chapter that she started with a gray sky in the great hall. Yeah. Um, and you can really feel through the chapter, the sort of like, like the day we had today in Virginia, like kind of just like damp and um, just rainy. City, yeah. Um, but then in this one, when Oliver op- uh, wakes him up really, or super early, she talks about a pink and gold sky. You really get a good feeling of yeah. the setting in just a few words that way. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, the thin so, mist hanging. Yeah. Mm, so Scottish. Scottish as hell. <laughs> <laughs> I really love, too, how we have our, our little um, creepy boy, uh, Colin, following. And I really think that, you know, I was rereading the chapter prior to this and having that element of an un- unwanted guest so early on in the chapter to me really foreshadowed to the later on unwanted guests on the Quidditch field. It was just an, an interesting little tidbit. I noticed how we're immediately starting off with Harry's annoyance and these, this unwanted guest and Harry continues to be a- annoyed even on the Quidditch field, which you can argue as, you know, one of his happy places throughout Hogwarts yeah. and all of a sudden Slytherin rolls up like you want to fight bitch except obviously yeah. not really no um, this but, yeah know. yeah this whole book is like just little inconveniences pissing Harry off yeah yes. and it's um I think that you know Colin Creevy was annoying in the last chapter and Colin Creevy is annoying throughout this chapter and yet that bitch still mentions him at the head of the chapter and i think that's so that we start getting annoyed just reading his name we're like yeah we get it he's there like i get it yeah like (laughs) (laughs) cannot forget colin we get it he (laughs) makes it very difficult to forget him (laughs) he's just like every child in like every like action or fantasy film doing all the wrong things he's like edmund with the turkish delights He's yeah. like he's like every kid who like did the wrong thing. He's like the shitty little brother in Jumanji who starts oh. the Jumanji game. I was just about to say he's the shitty little brother in Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> Those who, are so he kind of looks like him too. He's like so with the annoying. Hair. He's so annoying, and it's like you do all the wrong things. Yeah, just take that flashlight if you would and shine it directly into the T Rex's eyes. That's like the right <laughs> move. <laughs> So, okay, so, like, the the chapter starts with Colin stalking them, and then on the first Saturday of term, after Harry's had this, like, tough week getting back into the swing of things, um, Oliver Wood does wake him up at daybreak, um, 
for Quidditch practice. He's real. He's all. I feel like Oliver Wood maybe has like bipolar disorder or something. Cause he's, he's like, definitely, he's definitely <laughs> manic. He's definitely prone to manic episodes, but he's also prone to depressive episodes. Yeah. And it all hinges on Quidditch. <laughs> That's <laughs> his thing. He may, he makes me think of, um, I, I'm a manager for my full-time job and it makes me think of those times when I really any day, if I'm super excited and trying to motivate people, it's like pulling teeth all the time mm-hmm. it, because as the manager, you kind of have a stake and you're a little more, tend to be a little more passionate probably about the job than the other people that you're managing. You're being and, held more accountable for yeah, sure. Yeah. And mm-hmm. this is a little bit different because I'm sure that Quidditch excites them too, but you know, someone else is in charge. So it's his job to motivate this group of like teenagers to work hard when there's Harry not, is really not a even a teenager yet. Harry's 12. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. But there's it's not really a coach. Tween. There's not really an adult figure that's making yeah. sure that they go to practices. It's up to this other kid. Yeah. yeah. I so, like, uh, I mean, like sports people are also just like this, like, like that was something that my my dad like worked on actively when he when I was younger. Like he would he was a big Steelers fan, and anytime the Steelers lost, he would be like grumpy for a week. And he was like, "I can't be doing this. I'm I've got a kid. Like <laughs> I, I need to chill the fuck out." <laughs> wow, good on him. I know. Right? That's nice. <laughs> Reading through this chapter and seeing how zealous um, Oliver was to you know get the balls flying huh, rather than the balls rolling anyway oh nice nice. i shouldn't, I shouldn't explain jokes it's not funny that way <laughs> no, no, no. That, that's what we do here <laughs> it really um especially reading it in today's covid times i was just kind of uh you know covid definitely taints everything we do and a lot of things we think about even without realizing it so i found myself reading it wondering I wonder what Oliver would occupy himself with, you know, if Quidditch was canceled due to COVID. I think he would just be a miserable, miserable little boy. Well, teenager. Yeah, he definitely has a lot of, like, creative energy for the sport that just, it has to go somewhere. That's a really good way to describe um, how sports ball annoyance he is with that creative energy term. Very nice. I like Like that. Sports ball annoyance? (laughs) (laughs) The plague of sports ball annoyance. So, as Harry is going down to the Quidditch pitch, Colin meets him on the stairs and it's like i heard someone say your name it's like literally so like i my eyes are not even open yet dude and he shows harry the picture that he took earlier that week of him and lockhart together and is like will you sign this and harry is like no (laughs) i just like i love in the picture like he looks at it and all he sees is his own arm that like the picture of lockhart is trying to drag (laughs) back into the frame there's a lot of really like slapstick humor in the books that doesn't really make it into the movies it's just so annoying because movies are where slapstick humor right like that that would have been perfect like what a moment that would be and y'all just skipped it yeah yeah, it's it's great. It's great. And like Harry is such a polite little lonely British boy and I think this is the like other than like outright fighting with Draco, I think this is the first time he's just like kind of shitty to someone. He's like, "No, I'm not I'm not going to sign that." <laughs> I think that's a very good point and you know, something worth talking about throughout this series so far we've really seen Harry with all these highs still being just, you know, 
fascinated by this magical world and suddenly a part of you know the the muggle world is dragged into um hogwarts just him constantly being annoyed by the presence of another human who he doesn't like um and really what's more normal than that especially in a, a school setting so i i really appreciated that when i reread it definitely not something i picked up on uh in earlier years when i first read it so yeah, colin is a very useful narrative device yes yeah. i agree and definitely if you're like generally a nice person you accidentally pick up friends that you like maybe don't want yeah yeah a couple months <laughs> in you're like oh this was a mistake oh i'm your best friend like i didn't oh this is i didn't none of this was intentional i, 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 I didn't I, I, <laughs> where do i unsign Haley, i've been meaning to talk with you about that actually yeah I'm like so we'll talk, we'll talk. <laughs> right now right now <laughs> because i feel the same way christine uh, i feel it's that three years <laughs> the long con Honestly, there's still some people from college I'm still trying to shake and like, you oh know. Oh my god, move away. Yeah, <laughs> they text me and I respond like a week later and I respond because I feel bad. Like, I feel like that attitude is just how Harry feels the majority of this chapter. Like, yeah. no matter what you do, you just can't shake that little fucker. Like, we talked about this, I think, a couple episodes ago, but like, this is why I think Harry's an introvert. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's almost like um, Colin Grevy is almost like that guy at the party that you like are trying to hint at and it's like eventually you just need to turn around and be like hey dude i don't like you could you give me some space okay <laughs> and then they get mm-hmm. upset about and then it. they're like you're a bitch and it's yeah. like well when yeah. i said i needed to go to the bathroom for 45 minutes you didn't pick up what i was laying down <laughs> <laughs> so colin is asking harry all these questions about quidditch which Harry can't even be like, fuck you, Google it. Like, he just has to explain it. Like, <laughs> but, like uh, but I have to say, like, you know, we were complaining in the first, like, two chapters, like, uh, the first two chapters of every Harry, every Harry Potter book was such a slog because you get all this exposition about, like, Harry was a very special boy, you see. And, like, <laughs> what, now that we're at Hogwarts, like, we can have this information, like, we can be reminded how Quidditch works, like, in an actual narrative device, and it's not yes. as annoying. It is well done. It's definitely yeah. well done. Um, so Colin follows Harry to practice. Harry's like, oh, it's really boring. Like, I don't know, man. I would take that hint. You know, like, I would fucking take that hint. But no, Colin's like, I don't care. I've never seen anything before. <laughs> so I want to see balls fly. <laughs> he chases him. He follows him down to the Quidditch pitch. And Harry only manages to shake him when he goes into the... Uh, what are they called? The locker room. Lockers. Yeah. I was like fitting rooms. That's not right. That can't be right. <laughs> <laughs> fitting rooms. Oh. As annoying oh as Colin yeah. is, um, I think that Colin is a really great, if not, you know, um, over-exaggerated, but a really great reminder of Harry and his first experience with Hogwarts. Although Harry wasn't like, you know, as excited and, you know, cracked out as Colin appears, um, you know, Colin and Harry do have a lot of similarities and I think that in this chapter the excitement that we see in Colin really uh, magnifies the similarities that we have between Harry and Colin so I just really think that um, it was very well done portraying you know Harry to be extremely annoyed by this little obnoxious little jumping up and down boy and you know Colin just being this hey what are we doing now hey what are we doing now oh my god Harry you're the best I love you (laughs) like you know (laughs) I'm your number one fan (laughs) he's like I'm a real wizard now you need to (laughs) (laughs) so Harry goes into the locker room 
all of her. <laughs> they actually use changing room. Sorry, changing room, whatever it is. It's, um, it's definitely not. They Definitely not a room. fitting room. <laughs> <laughs> Close uh, enough. So it's a, whatever they call it. It's a locker room, and yeah. and so the it, Oliver Wood just launches into like a lecture, dude. At like, what? It's got to be like six in the morning for like over an hour. Yeah, it goes it goes on and on. Like it it, it it's like that pa- the PowerPoint that never ends, and you're like, damn, I thought we were gonna get out of class early. <laughs> nope. Everyone's Class like ain't falling even started up. yet, player. Yeah, everyone's like <laughs> falling asleep on each other. He even has magic on his side for this presentation. It's still not exciting at all. Yeah, like uh, even, though, even though he's got magic on his side to like move everything around on the whiteboards, he's still using a regular whiteboard. Like you, can- I, lo- I love the uh, description of like the arrows wiggling all over the diagram like caterpillars. Yeah, it's just so it's such a frantic scene and it just matches it it shows us I feel like what's going on inside Oliver's head. Like as soon as he wakes Harry up to go back a couple of pages, his eyes were gleaming with a crazed enthusiasm. Um, And then he's got these three (laughs) different whiteboards with just like frantic, you know, uh, Oh my god, like that that meme with um, Charlie. Charlie and the red string, like that's yeah. exactly what I was about to say. <laughs> yes, this and is I, how we defeat Slytherin. <laughs> I've solved the, the mystery. <laughs> I think the the franticness and the mania in that scene really um, kind of showcases what we were talking about earlier. Kind of joking that Oliver may be in fact schizophrenic. You know, part of that is paranoia or, bi- or bipolar. Uh, sorry, yeah, bipolar. Yeah, and um, uh, when we move uh, uh, just a couple pages forward in the chapter you know when they're out on the field and Colin's being his little creep with his camera you know Oliver's first thought is oh my god he's a spy from Slytherin taking pictures what do we do like (laughs) yeah he does not lose that mania (laughs) yeah so after everyone falls asleep they do finally go outside and start flying Ron and Hermione are there and Ron's like are you fucking done yet and Harry is like we literally have not even started (laughs) (laughs) but I think it's so funny that Hermione and Ron are out there they just sort of, With whatever happened. They brought their breakfast. They've just like already solidified their golden trio thing. Like they just are together constantly all the time. Like, I think it's so funny in a little bit when Slytherin pops up. And so Slytherin and Gryffindor are having this discussion, which we'll get to, I know. But, and then Hermione and Ron are like, what's going on? Let's go up there and see what's going on and see if we can add our two cents to it. Yeah, Yeah, we we really need you. We might need to throw hands. We need to get down there. (laughs) They're ready. They are ready at all times. I do think it's cute. I do think it's cute. Like, um, they're like, we're going to sit around and eat breakfast anyway. It's Saturday morning. Like, might as, and, and like, it's still nice outside. So like, might as well go see how the team's doing. I guess that's what happens when you don't have smartphones. You like actually... Just go attend things with your friends. Yeah, yeah I feel like weird. I feel like Hermione probably gave Ron an option. Like, well, we can go to the library or we can go to the Quidditch pitch. Quidditch pitch. Let's go to the Quidditch pitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, were they? I think they were planning to visit Hagrid that day. Or yeah, were, they were. So they probably. I mean, maybe they were like, oh, we could do that. Yeah, because that's nearby. Yes, they are ride or die. So yeah, Colin is taking pictures which is super annoying when you're at a play they're like don't take pictures because it will distract the actors and they'll fuck up Mm -hmm. it's like distracting (laughs) and that's what happens here yeah it's it and (laughs) and um 
And Fred and George are like, who is that kid? And Harry says he doesn't know. Why do you think he lies? Instead of just being like, oh, it's just the stupid kid who likes me. Yeah, he's just not in the fucking mood. <laughs> <laughs> to even engage. Oh. Like, also, like, Harry has, like, a little bit of a dynamic with Fred and George where, like... It- especially like by now where he just thinks that they're like really cool older brothers and like they're kind of like his really cool older brothers and he wants to impress them like there are points throughout the series where he's like no if i if i admit that i'm scared of this thing like fred and george might think i'm losing my nerve like i think that's literally a line that comes up at one point um and so he like he doesn't want to be associated with this little fucking kid because he's like you know he escaped in a flying car with them and then he rode the flying car again and like he's almost cool he's almost cool to fred and george yeah. and he needs to keep he needs to keep that he needs to keep his street cred i was just gonna say yeah he needs to keep his street cred like thanks yeah. for taking my line <laughs> you're <bitch>. welcome <laughs> uh, yeah, you're taking my fucking street cred right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that sweet sweet harry potter street cred <laughs> <laughs> talk nerdy to me <laughs> um okay so then who should show up but the fucking Slytherins. It's Marcus Flint. You'll remember him from the films. His one line is, Take that sword! He's fucking <laughs> troll teeth. <laughs> He's an actual oh. work person. Ugh. Um, yeah, we don't like him. I mean, I mean, there's some serious Slytherin profiling in this series. <laughs> for sure. Um, so Wood booked had booked the pitch for that day like the way you're supposed to do it and um so he is quote in outrage about this i guess he booked it for the whole fucking day god knows how long he would have asked the team to stay there if the slytherins hadn't broken it up actually Sounds like the whole fucking day <laughs> oh yeah just slytherin showing up with their one percent privilege you know oh my Ooh. god <laughs> yeah they're um, Nimbus 2001% privilege. Private school's just like Ooh. that. <laughs> yeah, private school is just like that. I wanted to point out, too, this paragraph um, about the cheat rate, specifically about the Slytherin team having no girls on the team. Yeah, um, yeah. I noted that, too. Especially, you know, as a young girl reading this, I definitely was, like, hype about the fact that she pointed this out. But after <clears throat> recent events... Um, definitely doesn't, it's not as powerful anymore. Um, yeah, true. You know, and it, it, just to read it to the, to the listeners, um, Angelina, Alicia, and Katie came over, had come over too. There were no girls on the Slytherin team who stood shoulder to shoulder facing the Gryffindors leering to a man. Anytime I think JK Rowling makes like a gendered statement in these books, it's going to have a new meaning this reading. Yeah. yeah which is, uh, I think that's important. Oh, you know, we, you guys on that episode, that was so good. Jake Rowling is canceled. You guys did an excellent job of, of diving into that. Um, and one of the things is, you know, how do you, I don't want to launch into all that, but um, how do you still appreciate art mm-hmm. while understanding and possibly disliking and not respecting the authors and the, the creators? Um, yeah. And so it's interesting to, like, you have to, once you know that, you can't read it without that. Um, yeah, it informs your reading. Yeah, and it's important to like keep that in mind. But it was just, that was probably the first line that I've read since everything that happened that I was like, damn it, you ruined this. You ruined this for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because especially when you're at school and you're young and your kids, I mean, gender is 
much more meaningless as you're when you get younger. Well, that that sounded stupid. The younger you are, the more mean, the more meaningless the social construct of gender is to you. Mm-hmm. And as you get older, you you start to manifest it. And so, yeah, and, and you start I, to and perform I, it more and more. You too. start to perform it more and more, and I, we see that come out in this series just a little bit more each book with the romance and the yeah the different the way pe- different people develop. And for some reason, my brain went right to the fucking Yule Ball. <laughs> that's weird because I just like went to the year Yule Ball as well. And, well, that's and I just imagined Hermione and uh, what's his face Victor Crumb dancing. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, that's where it all kind of comes to a head, like... For, like, like for the first time. Yeah, like, Hogwarts, like, you know, in the movies, there's a difference in, like, the boys and girls' uniforms and everything, but, like, in the books, it's never really described, like, there's not... There's not really an appreciable difference, except that like Hermione knows a little more about like the girl world Gossip. of Hogwarts than Harry and But Ron that's do. also just like they live in the same room. Yeah. Like, and it, so like the Yule Ball is where like they let it all hang out and everyone like has to, gets to wear what they want to wear and like. They get to quote, let their hair down. Right. <laughs> as yeah. McGonagall says. Yeah, so that's like where the like the melting pot of hormones like bubbles over. Ew, that sounds disgusting. <laughs> yes, it does. So I do not disgusting. want that fondue. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Jesus Christ. Okay, so okay, so they the Slytherins have a special note from Snape. So who the fuck let him do that? There's an official schedule, dude. This is an institution. Nope. Nope, Snape makes his own fucking rules. <laughs> they could go. I mean, that's the kind, not that anyone would go to Dumbledore about that, but but like, I I'm, mean, there's like something to be done about this injustice. I would assume that even if Oliver Wood didn't go to her to fix it in the moment, I would assume that Oliver Wood went to McGonagall and yeah. yelled about it. Yeah, I think McGonagall and Wood probably have a closer relationship than we get to see in these books because they both so passionately care. I feel like McGonagall does her best to, like, guide Oliver Wood to winning without putting, like, pressure on him. But, like, I feel like she's she's an anxious dude. Yeah, They, they have the relationship of, like, a a championship like dog handler and a border collie <laughs> yes. especially a border collie that is then responsible for a bunch of border collie puppies yes i'm imagining i'm imagining like mcgonagall going up to snape and being like severus i swear to god you will give wood <laughs> if an you extension fuck this up for on me this, this year paper because he's fucking stressed like we're not talking about it severus Uh, one thing that i think is really well there's several things that i think are interesting in this chapter but reading this as an adult i find some of the word choices here that were used to be very interesting um so i'm gonna read here uh just a couple sentences down uh we're reading professor snow um you got a new seeker blah 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 and from behind them six um sorry and from behind the six large figures before them came a seventh i think just the way she wrote that is interesting considering you know this chapter just a couple sec uh sections down we go into how 
Malfoy basically bought his way onto the team with a Nimbus 2001. So just the way she wrote that specifying the six figure, the seven figure that immediately made me think, you know, Ooh, big salary, big money, big broomsticks, you know? So (laughs) that is, yeah, that is interesting. (laughs) And I think she, I think too, she just is subtly trying to make it very clear by that point when they talk about the broomsticks that he obviously isn't chosen because of his talent he's chosen yeah. because of because of that because he they make it very clear that there's six large figures and then the smallest malfoy yeah <laughs> although like there's seekers are supposed to be small true oh, okay but he's such a but he's such a little rat and but like <laughs> yeah but like the word choice through this whole section is just deliberately chosen to be so obnoxious like they're waving the brooms under the gryffindor's noses yeah in the early morning sun yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so so draco's on the team dude and <sighs> Of course, yeah. yes. Yet so, another, yet another little, little inconvenience for Harry. Like he started the day with Colin Creevy, and then he sat in an over, in over an hour long meeting about Quidditch strategies. And now Draco Malfoy is on the opposing team. Honestly, <laughs> by the time we get to Ron and the Slugs, Harry's probably like, "Nice, like I'm gonna take this exit, and like I got you, buddy. Like I'm here for you." Yep. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna worry about you for a hot minute. Yeah, just get me the fuck out of this situation. So Ron and Hermione come down onto the pitch. I picture them so vividly. Some things I just can't separate from the films, and it's like the second Slytherin walks up in the films, Ron and Hermione are just like, "Well, that is our cue. We need to get yep. our little booties down there in case there's a fight." <laughs> and it's like, "No, sit the fuck down. This is like a Quidditch issue." But no, they they go and uh implicate themselves is that right no i don't think so i think implicate <laughs> is like is like uh reveal your guilt um, okay what do yeah. they do there's a word like insert that. they insert themselves uh, themselves oh it's getting worse <laughs> ingratiate so. that's not right all right they just they walk their little butts down to the pitch and they're like hey we're a part of this conversation <laughs> i know um, just embarrass themselves really yeah, and yeah. like the one good line that Hermione has is the line that ruins everything because she says, at least no one on the Gryffindor team had to buy their way in. They got in on pure talent. And then Draco is like, shut up, mudblood. He drops the M bomb. The M bomb, yeah. And like, kudos on Harry for picking up context because he does not always pick up context clues, but he's mm. like, it's like he could tell right away that Malfoy had said something terrible because it's everyone like, reacted so explosively. It's like, oh, that's that's the slur voice. Like, that's, that was definitely a slur. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And you can, and I love that Fred and George are like two of the ones jumping in at the very beginning, which is such a Weasley thing. Like, the Weasleys it's are Molly, always dude. down. It's, yeah, they're like, yeah. just like, whatever they do that drives her drives molly crazy she would be so proud of every time they are there for their friends no matter what yeah, yeah. i think haley i think haley you're the one who said that the weasleys are the most ready to fight family yes they are <laughs> and there's like a ranking obviously percy's at the bottom and i think we said jenny's at the top jenny like is by ready, far at the top. ready to fight yes oh, jenny, jenny is the most someone up yeah jenny is the <laughs> most ready to fight member of that entire family bar none we will post our official <laughs> ranking um on twitter look for that yes 
I yes. would definitely want the Weasleys behind me in a bar fight. Just saying, yeah. you know. Oh yeah, <laughs> I would. Oh, yeah. I would specifically start a bar fight just <laughs> to have, like, if they were behind me, just to have them come up. Uh, not to go not to go on a tangent but like that was the thing that james joyce used to do a little shit um he would go drinking <laughs> with ernest hemingway in paris and then like he would because james joyce was like fucking five feet tall and like a little irish like arrogant shit and he would like start fights with people and then they would like square up on him and then he would dive behind his uh, ernest hemingway and be like deal with him hemingway deal with him <laughs> so i want to point out two things in that and first of all i want to say don't be talking shit about us five foot men <laughs> <laughs> secondly, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, secondly, you're, you're I five know foot, you. but you're solid. Like you can, I, yes, you can start a fight and it's not shitty. Like yes. James Joyce, you got was, some weight to throw around. Yeah, Thank like you. A, a strong wind could blow James Joyce away. <laughs> secondly, I want to point out. So, running joke from college: uh, Haley loves James Joyce. She just won't admit it to herself. I oh will God. kill you in real life, guys. Guys, come now, play. Nice. Yes, I, in I real life, and slit your throat. I hate James Joyce so much. I mean, it's been a while since I've seen you, so come on over. Yes. <laughs> if it works, it works. You don't have to worry about catching COVID if you're just going to murder him anyway. You're That's right. True. That's true. I would just like to mention the fact that, like, I know Mudblood is supposed to be the worst slur ever, but if you if you stick you filthy little in front of it it makes it sound sexual and i can't get over that mm. we watched the movie the other night too and it just like it just filthy makes me cringe slut. yes yeah it just makes me cringe have because it, i'm supposed to take it seriously and i can't have any of you ever shipped um hermione and draco no a little bit a little bit i don't i've never really shipped that i i, I could see him hate fucking I, w- I would want Hermione on top. Yeah, just, like, her- Hermione would have to be just so completely in control of that. Yeah, yeah. I would just imagine them, you know, both growing up, and um, Draco learns that he can't be an a-hole, and he realizes that he likes a powerful woman, and it works. You Real cruel prince situation. <laughs> I'm just going to throw this out here. I think that uh, Draco picked up filthy little from overhearing Narcissa and Lucius in bed because... <laughs> Or just you like know. fighting, because they're. I'm sure that fighting and in bed, um, there's some carryover, you know. I mean, Narcissa <laughs> is definitely doming the shit out of Lucius. Like, I mean, they like we, some we all dark know stuff. This. Yeah, they've got like, some the weird black stuff leather. Like, I mean, there's no <laughs> way they're not. That's fair. Sure. I could see Hermione doming Malfoy. Like, yeah, who's your filthy little mudblood now? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> like, see, I just can't. Yes, I, can't. I will be your girlfriend, but. Um, but you have to give me a year of servitude before I will agree yeah. to that. Yeah. <laughs> you okay. would do it. Obviously, you would do it. they're all over 18 and consenting adults when this is taking place. Uh, oh, right. obviously. Of course. Yes. Of course, of course, of course. God, I'm, I'm every single time. I'm going to mention nope. it every single time. <laughs> it's important to mention, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> well, it's just, it's hard because when I first started reading this book, these books, I was young. And so sexualizing these characters felt natural. And it's something that you just like, 
you know, it's, it's not like I continue to sexualize this 12 year old, but like, it's, it's a part of my Harry Harry Potter history. Yeah. It's hard. Once a crush, always a crush. So it's hard to, I think saying a crush is much better than sexualizing. Yeah. (laughs) That's totally fair. Um, I get that, uh, not to get too much off on it, but I'm sure you're all familiar with, uh, Christina Ricci in Casper the Friendly Ghost. (laughs) Like, you know, uh, nine-year-old Danny was really crushing on 12-year-old Christina Ricci. And so, like, watching that movie, I remember, like, oh, my God, I just loved her so much. And now I'm like, "Mm, she's 12. (laughs) And and I remember my sister and I crushing on Casper. <laughs> I don't know if y'all Not remember. Even the sexiest <laughs> ghost out but like, there. But like, as a ghost, Casper looked like a little baby child. And then you see, he like has that one night where he comes to life. Or not oh, comes to life. Whatever. He's yeah. like, and he was so handsome. He was that 90s like JTT look. I don't remember. Oh. I just love how he whispers in her ear, can I keep you? Oh, God. <laughs> Which now thinking about it is so disturbing. If someone oh, said God. that to me, I'd be like, fuck you, no. Join me in death. <laughs> Man. For me, Haley, we've talked about this at length before. It was Jeremy Sumter's Peter Pan. I mean. That's fair. That's fair. So hot. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't realize it at the time, but that was definitely a bisexual crush. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's but like the, the advantage the advantage of that um of that particular iteration of peter pan uh media is that as an adult you can watch it and like your little in- inner 10 year old is still like hard eyes at, at peter pan but like your adult like the woman in you can now appreciate jason isaacs oh Jill. <laughs> <laughs> Jason Isaacs, dude, is like I don't know what it is about him. Oh but no, God, he is so sexy. Like, what is it? I can't. I have no none answers. Of his, none of his characters are even sexy. I guess Lucius is a little sexy. I've always liked a blonde man, but I don't usually like them ice blonde. I, I, I'd fuck Huck. <laughs> I'd probably fuck Hook too. And you know what, Mr. Darling, he does his best. And yeah. in the deleted scenes, he puts himself physically in the doghouse for that right. whole debacle. I mean, all right. In, all right. Yeah, no, let's uh, let's let's get back to Harry Potter. Back to I'm Harry Potter. Speaking, this is weird. speaking of Jason Isaacs, yes, Lucius Malfoy has purchased the whole Slytherin team Nimbus 2001s, which is one uh. better than what Harry has. Uh. One, one what we don't. One mile per hour more. <laughs> Kilometer. No, British. no. It is the imperial system. They still use kilometers. They do. Yeah. It's but it's the imperial system. Yeah, we're the Who only ones that still use it. Wait, I shamed Mary Clay on this show for not knowing <laughs> that. <laughs> They they still colloquially use it for some things, but like I think they're mostly over to metric now. <laughs> for our listeners, Christina is currently looking it up on her phone. <laughs> uh. Huh. That's all she's gonna say. <laughs> it looks as though I'm right. What? <laughs> they're still on they're still on fucking Imperial? They, no, they use the metric system except miles. That's so stupid. Yeah, but Commit. it's cool because cool we were both right. 
all right all right all right yay friendship yay friendship (laughs) we don't have to break up over this oh thank (laughs) god i've broken up over math before and it's just really complicated (laughs) so oh my god we're on the quidditch pitch her my wow that was like a long detour speaking of miles per hour that was a long detour on the highway to racial slurs (laughs) (laughs) okay so everyone goes nuts the twins are trying to fight. Marcus Flint is bodily protecting Draco Malfoy because if Draco Malfoy gets hurt, he might lose the brooms. <laughs> um, Ron tries to slugify Draco. I don't know what spell he's trying to do. He doesn't say any words. Like I, but but we all know what happens. His wand yeah. backfires. Mm, literally. Yeah, it I fires like how she backwards. does that actually. I like how she does that where it's in the previous chapter that he says eat slugs to Malfoy. And yeah. then in this one, he doesn't say anything, but you know he was trying to perform that specific spell. Yeah. Because yeah. Ron, no, Ron's been planning this. Um, so he slugs himself. You tried to slug me and you only slugged yourself, buddy. <laughs> um, he immediately starts vomiting slugs, which like... Ugh. Do, you yeah. do you think that's a deliberate wordplay like slug as in like punch and slug as in slugged oh, with literal slugs do you that's, think that was on purpose that's like mm-hmm. such a British thing if it is on purpose yeah I never <laughs> I'm never. i gonna slug you what what <laughs> <laughs> what what um, so he slugs himself he starts he starts vomiting slugs it, it sounds gross it's probably not as gross as some what? vomits are I, I don't know. Have you ever licked a slug? I don't know. Have you ever just like been heaving nothing but stomach bile? I mean, yeah, but I've also never licked a slug, so I can't compare. I feel like this would be like slugs in a form of stomach bile. Mm. So the be. question is, so the slugs g- are just coming into the world covered in acid, <laughs> like boiling to death in chemicals. That's horrific. That's even worse. Poor sluggies. They Where are they originating to. from? I hold on. I don't remember. But on this podcast before, we have definitely gone really far down like a vomit conversation, and I I'm trying to remember like why. But Haley, that was my question too. Is like, do they manifest in his mouth or in his stomach or in his esophagus? Well, because he burps. He burps them up. Yeah, mean, and I don't think that means anything. I don't like, know. And anatomically. I feel like they, she does a couple of hints. Some of the wording, it seems to me like they're coming from his stomach. Like, first he's of all, like Hagrid. Just, yeah. And Hagrid just being ridiculous is like better out than in. Yeah. And it was just in the mouth. I don't know. Yeah, I like, because they're, they're eating like his, his treacle that like glues their teeth together. So like if he ate that and his teeth got glued together, he, he would just have a buildup uh, of slugs. All right, all right, all right. And I'm calling it, and I'm calling it. <laughs> oh my um, God. Well, Jesus and I think- the wheel. <laughs> so, <laughs> of so, this podcast. <laughs> so I think it's worth mentioning that there, I think there is a great difference between the film and the books here. In the in the film, I think those slugs are manifesting in his mouth because he's just kind of like, bloop, bloop. but I think in the books, it definitely reads as more of a full body. Like I drank so like, many oh, four locos, just oh, like, yeah, like a deep, like re- like we've all been there. Uh, Why is the world spinning? Why? Why did I let her convince me to take this many shots? Like. <laughs> Uh, just like so you sound fucked. like you're lost in like a nom flashback 
<laughs> Alexa, oh no. Oh no. <laughs> Uh, one thing that I, I think is really cool, um, not so much in the book, obviously, uh, but um, in the movie is I just remember at one point several years ago, I watched a little like making of the Harry Potter movies. And I remember uh, they talked about the slugs as being flavored. So like there were several and they were like lemon and cherry flavored. Oh, like and- the, the props or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so, you know, just some crazy <laughs> yeah i mean you gotta i guess i just wouldn't have assumed i feel like there are plenty of movies or tv shows where they're they have something that weird that they have to eat or they're spitting up whatever for whatever reason and i would not have imagined that the company would go far enough to flavor it i've read before i think this was about um an episode of the office oh my god is it the booze cruise where everybody is like so sick and it was um the actress who plays Pam, it's like Jenna something. Fisher. Gem- is it Jenna or Gemma? Jenna Fisher. Jenna Fisher. I could be literally misremembering any single one of these details, but she was saying that like everyone's vomiting and they had to take like a million takes of everyone vomiting all the time. And they had like cream of mushroom soup or like carrot soup and like oh. pick, pick, pick your vomit. That's <laughs> oh. like uh, in the, the original Exorcist, all the vomit was just pea soup. Yeah, you ever had pea soup? It looks kind of gross. I love pea soup, but yes, it looks. It's very tasty, but it looks horrible. (laughs) Also, can we just focus on this disgustingly beautiful language right now? Um, You know, the Gryffindors were gathered around Ron, who kept belching large, glistening slugs. (laughs) You can like see like the string of slime coming Uh. off. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody seemed to want to touch him. Yeah, I get it. After the slug hits the ground, it's like still the string of slime like coming out of his mm. mouth. Yeah, like oh. a slice of really good pizza. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, not. just like that. <laughs> Escargot pizza. This uh. episode is rated explicit, not for sexual content for the first time ever. Yay. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. Um, I think we probably have also hit the sexual content so far. Um, <laughs> so they take Ron to Hagrid's, which is like, Good move. I mean, Hagrid. They, like, Hagrid's- mow down Colin Creevy on the way. <laughs> yeah, Hagrid's the guy who, like, he's seen it all. He's nonplussed. You know, like, that's the right move. And, like, yeah. also, creatures. Take these. Oh, we got some creatures for you. Yep. <laughs> Ron's just gonna puke them onto your table. No big deal. <laughs> um, yeah, Colin tries to tag along. He's like, can you, this is, this is, it's like, it's like Colin's annoying. He obviously needs friends. He's obviously in a little bit over his head. And it's like, you want to be sympathetic, but it's shit like this where he's like, can you turn him so I can take a picture? And it's like, oh, you've never been around humans. You have no idea what true, like what truly obnoxious behavior is. Yeah. I was going to say, this is his first instance of just being an asshole, like not even being a cute, uh, oblivious little kid. He's just being an asshole here. For sure. Um, he probably, he has no idea, dude. He I don't know. He thinks him and Harry are friends and that Harry's like in on it with him, you know, like, like, mm. yeah, turn him my way. Mm. <laughs> um, as they're approaching Hagrid's hut, Lockhart comes out of it. He's like, it's he's like a har- harbinger is not right, but he's like everywhere Harry goes. He's there like right beforehand. <laughs> and so he's been trying to give Hagrid some advice on how to do his fucking job. Yeah. How to do his fucking (laughs) job. Yeah. Um, And it's just crazy because like, we know that Lockhart has nothing. 
Like there, he has nothing to offer. So like, how, how is he like so boldly walking into these, like, how is he offering nothing? I had a theory that like, because he knows he didn't actually do a lot of these things. And there are many things he doesn't know how to do that. He's pretended he knows how to do. So I, I have a feeling that like, he'll specifically think of things that he does know how to do and over explain them to people. Oh shit. You know, like, cause I would assume that if he's talking to both professor Sprout and Hagrid about parts of their job, that he, he's saying probably accurate stuff about how to do it. Maybe he he just like grew up on a farm and that's the only thing he's ever really done. So he knows (laughs) how to do like outdoorsy stuff. (laughs) I just feel like he's trying to shout this loudly so that people are like, wow, he knows so many things about so many different things. (laughs) That's it. I mean, that's pretty solid theory. <laughs> but like what he actually knows is like the absolute basics and like he misremembers half the details. Lockhart, yeah. Lockhart's got that big dick energy, except he doesn't have a big dick, if anything. It's like know. a big inflated dick energy. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> He's a shower, not a grower. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's just like so much like so much hot air (laughs) so then lockhart leaves and oh it's like the trio hides behind a bush while ron is vomiting slugs like from you know ron comes along ron is like no 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 priorities i'm not (laughs) he's like fine with it he's yeah well because like think about if lockhart had seen them then he would be trying to give them advice on how to or he'd try to be doing a spell yeah yeah. That's true. yeah, and like, I mean, they don't know this yet, but like, we see how that fucking turns out when he tries to perform medical spells. So mm-hmm. yeah, hiding is probably the move because he might have like vanished Ron's stomach or something. Oh, Oof. oh no, rough. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, cows get three stomachs or whatever. Ron gets zero. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, we know how that boy loves to eat. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Oh my god. I just got that vision of him right before the troll comes um in the first Sorcerer Stone movie. He's just like eating and just double fisting chicken legs. <laughs> <laughs> He's so cute. I love it. So so Lockhart leaves, they go into Hagrid's hut. Hagrid is not at all perturbed. Like th- not even surprised. He's just like, oh yeah, so the old slug thing. Been there before. Better out than in. <laughs> And then, her, and then in there, say. <laughs> even Hermione, who is always the expert in everything, um, says, I don't think there's a, there's anything we can do except for to wait for it to stop. Yeah, that's I I know I noted that as well because it does strike me as a little defeatist for Hermione. But yeah. This is out of, I, I think but, a broken wand is like what do you, I mean, what do you do about that? Yeah, and like the next line she says is like apparently this is a real curse because she says like that's a difficult curse to work at the best of times. Yeah. But with a broken wand and it kind of trails off. So like she knows what Ron was trying to do and she knows exactly how he fucked up and she's like, I there's nothing there's no way we can help. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It sucks. So they're just kind of chit chatting. Um Hagrid also thinks Lockhart is a charlatan and tells us a little bit about how no one will take that job at this point because people are starting to think it's jinxed. So he, he was literally the only person who would say yes, which I still don't think is a great reason to hire a shitty person, but also Dumbledore, he, he's a busy man. Like the background check checked out. So you're in. <laughs> he was the most dramatic choice and that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's the only fucking uh consideration for wizards dumbledore was like that man has style 
Get him in here. Yes. I mean, he did. What's the line? He came out of Hagrid's hut dressed in, what is it? The palest of mauve robes. I yeah. mean, no, he's wearing that, a different color every single time we see him. Uh, Lockhart is fabulous, and yeah. I respect and appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. Best dressed character in this entire series. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and like, mauve is definitely a color you wear when you don't expect to get any sort of dirt anywhere near you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 It, it's, a pr- it's a pretty color. I mean, and, and it's palest mauve. So. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. oh, so so then they talk about mudblood, which is a term that Hermione also has never heard because you're not going to find it in a textbook. I don't know if there's some kind of like wizard version of Urban Dictionary, but <laughs> she hasn't stumbled across it yet. I have to interject because I love in this part. So the other night, I, I said in the last episode, but we watched the second movie, um, which in my opinion is terrible. But anyways, it's pretty bad. Um, <laughs> but um. In this part, Hermione explains what a mudblood is. I like, hate it. And the it's so much better this way. Ron is such a better character in the books. It is unreal. Like, yeah. he's just an idiot in the movies. No, I, I read once, like, something... I wish I could remember, like, where I saw this. It was some internet post. Um, but someone said, like, Ron in the movies is what Ron in the books is afraid he is. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And he and you see his heart right here because he's literally spinning up slugs and he obviously is so upset by the fact that someone called Hermione a mudblood that he's explaining it. It's a really foul name for someone who's muggle-born. Um and then he explains, you know, a lot of families think that wizards should just be pure blood. You don't see that kind of heart at all in him in the movies. Right. Yeah. I forget about it, honestly. Going back to that quote you just said, Haley, I think that that's interesting to think about with Hermione, too. Like, almost like movie Hermione is what, like, other people perceive book Hermione as. Yeah. And, like, I think think you're the one who has said a couple of times that, like, in the movies, Hermione gets all of the smart, all of the smart belongs. Yeah. She even takes it from, like, teachers and adults. Yeah. It's, like, all the smart. She steals, like, a Dumbledore quote at one point in the movies. And, like... Give it to her. (laughs) Right. Like, the the devil's snare thing, like, in the books, it's such a better character moment because she forgets she can do fucking magic for a moment because she's panicking. It's so good. And, like, it's honestly, like, it's it's just better writing for a female character that like she's, she has strengths, but she also has weaknesses and, and it's, it's, they balance. It's just so crazy because a lot of the things that we don't really like about the Harry Potter films, it's like, they didn't have enough time. They didn't have enough time for all these characters. They didn't have enough time for all these subplots. But if, if the lines are being said, they definitely had enough time for the right person to say them. Yeah. They just didn't want her to come. They, they wanted to write her as like a perfect character, which, which made her disgusting. Less, yeah. Cause it made her less, uh, less developed and made her less nuanced. And like, well, honestly, like not getting, okay. Like we're going on a tangent, but it's fine. Everything changes. Everything right. she does changes yeah. because of the different tone that they give her character. Right. The only thing that she cannot do right in the films is her hair. Yep. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> and Chamber of Secrets is the worst offender. Oh, crimped. It's, yeah. so, oh, it's so unfortunate. Frizzy. Jesus uh, Christ. I mean, it, really, wasn't, it wasn't her fault. It was the early 2000s, but good Lord. <laughs> but they really, they really tried to curl it and tame it while making it seem like it's just 
natural crazy wavy hair and you can't do that yeah no you can't like this this right here this oh natural Alias. i can't see it listeners, <laughs> but I have a lot of, her hair i have a lot of fucking hair <laughs> i have a lot of fucking very curly hair uh, okay wait wait, wait personal wait. offense wait 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 there's a joke coming um that's why her hair is so big it's full of the chamber of secrets Hey. Oh, nice. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, I like yeah. I like a good mashup. Thank you. So um, they get off the mud blood thing because obviously everyone in that cabin is on the same page about the whole mud blood situation. Um, Hagrid teases Harry about giving outside photos. He's like, How did come I haven't gotten one? <laughs> and Harry starts immediately like yelling about it and Hagrid is laughing. I love it. I love Hagrid. He's so good. Not the best guardian, but damn it, he's a good friend. <laughs> he's a good friend. Yeah, he's like the older brother who lets you do maybe like a little more than you should be allowed to yeah. do. Like I'll give you a little weed. <laughs> yeah. As long as you stay in this hut. Yes. yes. In the hut. <laughs> uh I know the moment has kind of passed, but I just kind of was rereading it as we're chatting here and thinking, I really appreciate this chapter as well, because throughout the series, I just love the little moments that build up between Ron and Hermione and how those just little moments just spread into their romance. I've heard that a lot of people in the Harry Potter fandom just do not care for Ron and Hermione being a thing. And I just absolutely love them as a thing. And I think this chapter just really magnifies early on that Ron is just harboring these secret cutesy little love feelings for Hermione by defending her. And just like, if anyone in this book has big dick energy, it is Ron. Oh, <laughs> he deserves it. He does. And I, that's all I needed to say. <laughs> I love them too. Um, but for a, a little different reason, but it's, I like that they're a trio, right? And so because we're used to it, whenever we read a book or see a movie where there's like, uh, you know, two guys and a girl, we're waiting to see who pairs up. Right. But the I love their relationship in these books because they all become such good friends first and Harry, who's the main character doesn't end up with the main character girl. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's a, they're all very main characters, but you know, it's Ron and Hermione. And I think it shows too, that girls and guys can really be friends. It was it's nice to see that instead of having to yeah. have these, like, they never have romantic feelings for and each other. I've, I've always, I know there's a lot of people who really ship Harry and Hermione, and they don't ship Hermione and Ron. And I've, I've always felt that Harry and Hermione's relationship is so, so, so deeply platonic. And, mm -hmm. and that doesn't take away from its strength and its beauty. Like, they are one of the most badass, efficient pairs they can get shit done dude like they are a great team but they're yeah it's so deeply platonic and i think that's what makes it awesome very yeah, true for true okay and then hagrid shows off his giant pumpkins is that a thing that comes back later oh no 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 i, re I remember i remember that i was wondering that while i was reading it he's showing off his giant pumpkins because we need to be reminded about his umbrella yes they're but giant pumpkins because he's been engorgifying them but I kind of hate, I, I don't know if there's a word for this kind of writing where you, one of the characters just happens to see 
for no reason at all something that's related to what they're thinking about right then like uh, I don't know if I'm explaining it right but um, Hagrid looks over his shoulder to check that they're alone he says well I've been giving them you know a bit of help Harry noticed Hagrid's flowery pink umbrella leaning against the back wall of the cabin like I hate that like why would he in that moment notice it no one probably because Harry's just, like, stupid. It's so convenient. Harry's stupid, and he's like a little bit of help. What does that mean? Oh, <laughs> I've seen Hagrid. Oh, when we're in the boat, and he the umbrella made the boat go. I Maybe mean, the umbrella is still. Oh, there's the umbrella. <laughs> I just it's just like so it's too convenient, and I. I wished today that I had an example. I was like, I need an example to tell them on the podcast of when that's happened before. But I, I can't think of one, of course. But. No, it's I, it, really, it's just, I mean, this is one of those things that if I was the editor, I would have suggested, like, this is something that can be fixed with one little line of, like, Hagrid just, like, nods towards the back of his cabin and Harry's yeah. like, oh, there's the umbrella. Okay, I get what you're saying. Absolutely, Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm 14 um, at heart, and when I read the line about the <laughs> the pumpkins being engorged, the first thing I, I said in my head was, "I'll give you an engorged pumpkin, all right." Like, yeah. <laughs> so that's where I'm at. Wow. You guys have actual like valid things to say, and I'm thinking dirty things about pumpkins. So. I'm wasting my oh, time yeah. thinking about the writing. Damn, <laughs> it definitely um, <laughs> it, it reminds me of at the beginning of Ten Things I Hate About You, when the principal is um writing oh, yeah. her romance novel. <laughs> I love that quivering member. <laughs> oh my god. Also and she's quality movie <laughs> and she's asking the students like doesn't she like ask them their opinions about certain parts no of it's um it's cat like just gives her like cat just knows what she's working on and it's like try and gorged penis or like whatever she <laughs> <Yeah>. says <laughs> <laughs> try and gorged pumpkin guys my next romance novel is going to be the engorged pumpkin I love it. <laughs> All right, it's, it's like the headless horseman, but like his dick was cut off and it was replaced with a jack o' lantern. <laughs> Guys, stop, stop talking about this immediately before someone steals it, and you write it down. <laughs> Good idea. Copyrighted by the Movie Night Crew on August thirteenth, twenty twenty. Um. Okay, we're almost done. So finally, the slugs mostly stop. They go up to the school for lunch, but M- Professor McGonagall intercepts them and is like, don't forget, you have detention. Fuck you guys. You flew a car. So Ron gets to go polish trophies with no magic, elbow grease only with filch, which sucks because Ron's definitely the kind of kid who moans and groans about doing chores with magical help. <laughs> yeah, that, I can't imagine how frustrating and annoying that would be if you're not only having to polish but you're used to polishing with magic and now you just got to do it the normal way well and i'm a muggle and i've been very good about doing a lot of chores all my life i'm the only girl and i'm the oldest child and my beautiful husband has adhd and is he there no and 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 does very little around the house (laughs) so but polishing silver and stuff like that so oh yeah that is so shitty i will do one thousand dishes so another moment of me being a 14 year old especially after we just read about the engorgement charm and in this point i was wondering if you know they were trying to throw in some some little sexual nuances because you know 
polishing the trophy is is a phrase that uh, young men will often use when they're you know doing the deed. Really? So we went, yeah. So we went right <laughs> from the engorgement charm to Ron polishing his trophies. <laughs> so, he had, and he had to polish the same trophy fourteen times. Yeah. <laughs> I've been there, Ron. I've been there. Poor thing. He's so tired. His arm is tired at the end, too. He needs, some, he needs some fluids. His muscles seized up. Oh, my God. Get that boy some pumpkin juice. Yeah. Gorge pumpkin juice. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay, okay, okay. Harry gets to go do detention with Lockhart. I think it's Lockhart's special request. Oh, Lockhart is answering fan mail because he can't stop being a celebrity and now that he's a teacher he has to do both he's a hero (laughs) and Harry gets to write the addresses on the envelopes which is so so tedious such a good time such a good time and I love like all the detentions always happen at night like late at night not even like an evening time detention yeah that's mostly true yeah yeah, it's always like close to, to curfew. Yeah, like after curfew. They're just, they're really hoping that Harry and Ron will get into trouble, honestly. They're like, let's keep isolating this kid and hope that some shit goes down. Yeah. I can't remember down. like a lot of detentions specifically. Like I obviously remember his umbrage detentions, um, which I think also happened late at night. Um, does anyone remember any other like specific detentions besides the, the forbidden, forbidden forest. forest? Yeah. He he got he has a few with Snape uh, in like four five and six. Oh yeah, like it's mostly like doing like like ingredients prep, usually yeah. something disgusting. Yeah, yeah, like barfing. But I can't stuff. remember if it's like after dark. Everything it's always dark in the dungeons. Mm. <laughs> So he goes to that and does that. And Lockhart, from my understanding of the chapter, is just like talking and talking and talking. And Harry's just like, uh-huh, yeah, okay, cool. Um, yeah, it's like when I'm telling a story about how my girlfriends are annoying me or whatever. And Sean's just like, oh, yeah, it's cool. Oh, yeah, okay. You know, after our um, our Facebook and slash Twitter uh, request to see who besides Kenneth Branagh could have played Lockhart, and someone suggested the guy who plays Laszlo in... Um, uh, yeah. What we do in the shadows. Matt Barry. Now I hear. Now I hear Matt Barry's voice, which is somehow more performative than no, Kenneth Branagh's voice. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I'm doing it. My brain's doing it. Just like, right. well, you know, Harry. Like, I, I, I want... fame's a fickle friend, Harry. <laughs> somehow, somehow, Matt Barry is like the sexiest person to me. Like, I know I've already gone off about Jason Isaacs, but I think no big dick energy. That's like, what it yeah, is. big dick energy. Yes, yes. Matt Barry has the biggest dick energy, and like his character in What We Do in the Shadows, it's just like, just like so confident. There's vulvatopiaries. His vulvatopiaries. This one is my mother. Like and like he, him and his like male roommate just like casually jerk each other off, and it's like this is just business, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Okay, so at the end, toward the end of detention, well, when he's desperately praying for the sweet, sweet release of either death or the end of detention, whichever comes first, Harry hears a voice, and it says come come to me let me rip you let me tear you let me kill you 
probably exactly like that. And Harry, of course, is like, wait, what? I mean, that that was a voice to chill the bone marrow. Yeah. A uh, voice of breathtaking, ice-cold yeah. venom. <laughs> you know Perfect. Me, I'm, re- I'm really good at that. Nailed it. Um, yeah, so Harry's like, what? What's up? And Lockhart's like, come again? And Harry's like, oh, what's that voice? And Lockhart is like, great, Scott, look at the time. Blah, blah, blah. You're probably so tired. Time flies when you're having fun, Harry, doesn't it? We're best pals. Someday you're going to be as famous as me. Go off to Betty by now. Um, <laughs> and then Harry goes back to the dorm. Ron is still at detention, comes back a half hour later. Harry tells Ron what happened. I, I think Ro- Harry was hoping Ron would be like, oh, yeah, that's just like this crazy wizard thing that happens when you have like the wizard hallucination flu or like whatever. But like, no, <laughs> Ron doesn't have an explanation either. I love like <laughs> I would maybe I'll like count or something. But like how many times in this whole series, like something happens to like one or two of the trio and then they have to go back and there's like a paragraph where it's like. And then Harry told Ron everything that had happened at detention. It happens right. all the time. So much. <laughs> yeah. And, that's and a lot of it is Harry explaining what's happening in his head. <laughs> and honestly, Ron and Hermione being pretty accepting and supportive. Considering. Yeah, great, great friends. I mean, I feel like in this book, they she does a great job of actually making it seem like Harry might be a little bit crazy. And they do doubt him. A lot. I, if I remember correctly, I, I haven't read past this chapter yet, but um, in a long time. But well, because what he's saying is very hard to believe. Yeah, right. but it's a, it's not like they're dubious. They're like they believe that he is hearing a thing. They're just worried about him because of like the various things that could mean. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think I think it does set, especially right now, like you as the reader, it sets you up a little bit. I mean, he's had like a long hard day. And then it's like he's hearing voices, and it's like, baby, just go to sleep, okay? You live in a you live in a scary magic castle. Like it could have been a ghost or something. I don't know. <laughs> could have been <laughs> nearly headless Nick is just playing a prank on someone. <laughs> he would never. Yeah, it would be somewhat of a peeves, peeves, peeves. Yeah. <laughs> um. Cool. So, does anyone have anything to say about this chapter that we haven't touched on already? Um, I would just like to say, uh, going back to my 14-year-old boy thing again, just looking through, um, took ages to get all the slime off, you know, as Ron is talking about (laughs) the trophies. So again, I think that this chapter or, you know, the polishing the trophies is just Ron in a room jerking off uh, 14 times. And that is what I have to say. Yeah, Ron just hit puberty. (laughs) This is the day Ron hit puberty. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I wanted to just briefly bring up uh, he had another slug attack all over a special award for services to the school yes excellent yes which later turns out to have been tom riddle like that's that's a really great setup right there yes thank you for bringing that up absolutely slug attack that sounds like um like a shitty pokemon you know (laughs) as like the slug attack it's like the slug attack no it's it's a thing in barobu barobu (laughs) slugadactyl slugasaur it's from bob's burgers all our jokes are always from bob's burgers (laughs) that's fair that's fair cool are y'all ready to move on to our plugs heck yeah yeah nice you want to start mary payton no Oh yeah, you, you didn't have one in the last time we recorded either. <laughs> Which was last book, night. Pick a book off your shelf that you've read before and tell us about it. All right, well y'all, uh, y'all talk. Oh, actually, no, I got one. 
<laughs> See, it's easy enough. Her bookshelves are right behind her. This is a book called Hot Dudes Reading. Um, <laughs> highly recommended. It's actually a really great Instagram account in case any of you guys don't follow it. Um, literally, this person, um, she just goes around New York City. and Well, I'm assuming it's she, actually. I don't know. They go around New York City and take pictures of sexy dudes. I'm showing pictures right now to the group. Um, reading books, and they're all very sexy, but the the best part, honestly, is her comments at the bottom, which are just funny every time and full of sexual innuendo. And it's really a joy. So I highly recommend it. Oh, like awesome. awesome. the trophy. <laughs> also, follow, please follow me at Richmond Reads on Insta. Mm. If, you, if you type in hot dudes just into your um, Instagram search, it's hot dudes reading, hot dudes with dogs, hot dudes in hummus, hot dudes in the kitchen. Like, all of my favorite things hot dudes and hummus god like i'm there for a second i was like hot dudes in hummus like are they bathing in it well is is that like is that like uh the opposite of mud wrestling or like pudding wrestling like when they do like like hot girls in bikinis like wrestling in a little pool of pudding like it's just the same (laughs) thing but like dudes in speedos like wrestling in a big thing of hummus hopefully Hopefully it is. I'm following so many <laughs> accounts right now. Your Hot feed is wearing so good. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> um, Haley, you're next. Um, I recently, uh, I'm very late to this, I know, but I recently watched uh, the HBO miniseries about Chernobyl, which is called Chernobyl. Um, it is fucking harrowing uh, and terrifying and really fucking good. I don't want it. Okay, great. <laughs> Danny, your turn. All right. Um, I would like to plug a book called Knox by Ann Carson. It's really awesome. It's actually um, accordion style. So it comes in a uh, box. And when you open the box, the book comes out and it's just an, an accordion string of pages. And it's uh, very what? abstract. It's amazing. And I just love it. Um, I will also be so bold as to plug my Instagram. Uh, y'all could follow my beautiful self at Rob Starks Air on Instagram. Hell yeah. I have been your host, Christina. You can follow me on Instagram at Yale Girl of the World. You can follow me on Twitter at Tina Fontina. And today I'm going to plug a company that I purchase things from. It's called Mighty Nest. They are like a sustainable home goods company and they have a monthly subscription box that I subscribe to. It's a really good idea if you're trying to like slowly convert your life to be more sustainable. It's, um, it's $11 a month, or at least it was when I signed up and they'll send you just like one random sustainable item every month. And you can, I mean, they're like a whole store too. So they have some really cool things. So I've gotten things like, like a lot of really good kitchen stuff, like reusable, like tumblers and like plastic baggies and like cool, fancy Tupperwares and stuff. I've gotten like some like really cute Swedish dishcloths and like literally anything you can imagine in your kitchen, basically. And they'll also send you like plastic free packaging, like laundry detergent and stuff for you to just like try something new and see if you like it. I would recommend them that's mighty nest and the link is in the show notes so any last words anyone a resounding silence (laughs) what'd you say tina i love you (laughs) i talked over it you ruined it you ruined it i ruined everything Uh, all right i'll 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 get the fuck out of here (laughs) get get the fuck out of here
<laughs> Good, goodbye now. Goodbye. <laughs> thank you guys again for having me. Fuck, it's always I always been a blast. forget to thank the guest. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> I always forget to thank the guest. Danny, thank you so much for coming on. We had a really good time. <laughs> thank you for having me. I loved it. As always, it's been a blast. <laughs> the Restricted Section was created and hosted by me, Christina Kahn, based on the book series by J.K. Rowling. All music by Ryan Kahn. Logo by Michael Hardison. Technical support from Sean Watson. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at restrictedsectionpod or shoot us an email at restrictedsectionpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts, feelings, complaints, conspiracy theories, or lavish praise. We all really <laughs> polished our own trophies on that one. <laughs>